Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My friend was just like, I am not dating anymore unless I have like two-factor authentication. Welcome back to Drinks First, the podcast in which you can meet New York City's kinda eligible. I'm your host, Ariana Nathani, and stay tuned till the end of the episode if you're interested in matching with our guest. All right, welcome to the final episode of Drinks First, season three finale. I'm super excited to have my guest on today. She has lots of interesting stories and perspectives, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to her and hear about her life and her experiences. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you to introduce yourself. Can you tell me where you're from, where you're living now, and how old you are? I am originally from Seattle, but kind of spent a good amount of time abroad in Asia over the course of childhood. Um, I live in the West Village now, and I am 25. And where did you go to school and what are you doing now in New York? I went to Barnard College. I studied economics there and now I'm working in tech with our strategy for how as a big tech company, we work with venture capital firms. So she's smart as hell. <laughs> but you said that you grew up in Asia, like throughout childhood, where whereabouts and what brought you to like different parts. Yeah. What brought you from Seattle to Asia? <laughs> yeah, it was it was for my dad's job for the first part. Um, we were in Beijing for three years. So he was just working there. It was middle school for me. So just going to international school. Love to tell people that I had my bat mitzvah on the Great Wall of China. That's my like flex. Um, Is that true? I had the party on the Great Wall of China. I did. I was can you do that? You can. So the Radisson Hotel has like a platform um, there. Whoa. That was lovely. That is like, that's a huge flex and like such a good fun fact, like icebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. People love to be like, I got up misfit in Israel at the Western Wall. And I'm like, I kind of think my wall's a little bit better. <laughs> So you're you're Jewish, you got bat mitzvah on the Great Wall of China, in, yes. and you lived in Beijing. Yes, and then I did an exchange program in high school where I spent about a year in Thailand as well. Um, so that was kind of solo, but um, yeah, four years total. Wow. Do you speak any other languages? I speak a little bit of Chinese still. Um, you know, I try to keep it up when I can, but it just goes away so quickly. And then other than that, like I tried Thai, but it was just so close to Chinese um, that I had a lot of trouble kind of differentiating between them in my head. I've always wanted to learn Italian because I love Italy and Italian food and all of that, but just never did it. Well, that's a perfect segue to uh, this question that I ask everyone which is where do you like to eat and where do you like to go out? Okay. As far as Italian food goes, my favorite pasta in the city, and I'm going to butcher the name because it's a long one, is Fiascteria Pistoia. Like their ragu is the best pasta I've ever had. 
um, fantastic food there and just such a cute little wine menu. They bring it out in a little basket and it's all the bottles are there. And then for another one I have to mention is I'm a huge ice cream person. And so my ice cream place is almost always Morgan Stearns. Um, Love that place. And I also love Gelateria Gentile. Um, That place is fantastic as well. It's so good. Like it's, it's on, it's like a block and a half away from where I live. Right. Yeah. Which is so dangerous it's so dangerous because i'm in between like two locations of it there's one all the way on like the west side like on 8th ave and then there's one on university i'm like they really have me sandwiched and Mm. everywhere i go i'm like oh i guess i'm gonna get a gelato because i'm passing this place i know and it's it's like it's kind of unassuming because i'm like on the one near university and i went with um one of our really good mutual friends who is also an absolute ice cream fiend and like she and I we we like went to Italy together uh lived in Spain together and it was just like status quo for us to have like a gelato break every single day and so we have like really high standards for gelato now as you should as we should and this place is really 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 good yeah it's straight out of Italy like there's three locations in New York and they're the only locations in the US. So Oh, I did not know wow, I'm feeling super spoiled now because they're it's like so close to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. As far as going out, um another one is anyone who knows me knows that I frequent Bar Pisolino. I am always there. Their house Manhattans, frankly, just go off. Um, they're so good. And it's just such a perfect spot for like a first date, whether that be coffee or cocktails, like it's a great place. The vibes are impeccable. The outdoor heating is impeccable and the service is great and the drinks are fun too. So love Bar P. Where else do I go out? I feel like I'm in the market for a new place to go out. Like I just want a place that's fun and dancey and you know, I love the Jane. It's so close to me, but I still associate it with college and like all the messiness of that. So trying to find kind of a more grown-up place where I can still dance. Right. And I mean, I when I feel that on the Jane, like, I'm a little biased right now. And I've (laughs) I've actually spoken about the Jane on the podcast before. And I want to be very clear. I am sticking to my guns. The people who run the Jane are actually incredible people. Uh, This is like no dig to them. But I think that on any night, I am not throwing a party there. Or somebody I know is not throwing a party there. It is it is very like college vibes, like just like your first place to go out in New York kind of vibes, which is like great for people who are looking for that. But it's not personally a place I would go on my time off. Yeah. But I absolutely adore throwing my events there because they run a super tight ship and the space is beautiful and huge. And yeah, love the, disco ball. love the disco ball, love the team there. So like, that's no dig to them. But like, basically what I'm saying is if you go to the Jane, come for a drinks first party. <laughs> Don't go there on a night in, you know, a random February in a tank top and get, you know, behind AE pilot pledges in line because they will let the frat pledges in before you. Infuriating. <laughs> That was my one little, you know, negative experience at the gym. Right, right. I'm trying to think like, like fun, dancey and like still kind of close to you. Yeah. Um, 
Because that's the whole draw of the Jane is like, you can walk home. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't like the Georgia room was nice too. Like I, I liked the party there. I felt like there was a lot of space, which was nice. Um, and, it, you know, it's not as close as the Jane, but definitely like still walkable, especially when you're drunk. Like I yeah. just will walk anywhere. Yeah. Georgia room's actually really, it's pretty close to me. I love Georgia room. They're the same team as the Jane. So close to my heart. And yeah, yeah, I like this. I think as we get older, like we don't need like a super, super cramped place to like go out. <laughs> so it's nice that Georgia Room has like the space to dance and yeah. also the space to like uh, the space to kind of like chill, have a drink, like take a step away from everything like that. I really appreciate as somebody yeah. who's it's like, so hard to like find the balance of a place where you can have fun and dance and feel like you're at a party, but also like talk to people a little bit. I feel like even at some of the bars in New York where it's less dancey, they'll be playing the music so loud. You can't even talk to people. Um, So finding that balance is so key. Yeah, I agree. And also love Barbie Salino (laughs) on one of my like top favorite date night like lists. Do you have any like advice to people who would want to go to Bar Pizzolino, but it's just like it's always packed? Like, do you kind of know like insider tips of when it's off hours or anything? Because they don't take reservations. Oh my God. The tall blonde guy that is at the door, he will always tell you it's a 45 minute wait and it's a lie. It's always like 10, 15 minutes. So if you're just like a little patient, you'll get in. It looks crowded, but cocktails are cocktails. Like it's a fast turnaround. They don't have real food there. So yeah, I've never had to wait as long as he tells me. It's always a super quick turnaround just to like deter people. I think they say 45 minutes. Mm, it's a pro. That's a pro tip. That's definitely <laughs> a pro tip. Also the hot chocolate. Like if you're not trying to drink, like. They have another one that's like a, it's like a mocha, but it comes in layers where it's like dark chocolate at the bottom. Like it's, it's thick and you have to stir it up. It's so good. There's whipped cream on top. Oh, that sounds so good. (laughs) You have to go there and you have to like Google everything on the menu because you don't know what the word means, but you get there. You're like, oh, I didn't know that thing was in existence, but. It's a sexy place too. It's just like a beautiful place. And it just gives me like european vibes like yeah when you sit on the street and you have like the best people watching on grove yeah yeah exactly the best people watching i ran into um lord and kieran and shipka there once that was fun for me i also saw like emily ratachowski and z-way walk by one time and my friend like got up from the table and like followed them into the liquor store just to like see what they were up to i was like calm down it's okay <laughs> but yeah, Lloyd's boyfriend like lives across the street, so she's around there all the time. Whoa, wow, that's pretty sick. Well, speaking of boyfriends. <laughs> what a segue. What a segue. Well, we're here to talk about your love life, which has been very interesting. And I, in the, in the best way possible. <laughs> and I would love to get into it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I feel like you know where you want to start. Like where... Where do you want to start? (laughs) Where do I want to start? I mean, we can always start with my most recent experience, which was frankly just hilarious and fun for me. And it's going to be difficult to explain. I had to draw a diagram for my cousins when I was explaining it to them, but they loved it. So hey, good content, right? We love good content. Yeah, let's start with your most recent experience. So 
my friend, well, actually a friend of a friend was hosting this event on the Lower East Side where basically five people were presented, well, 10 people were presented by their friends as like eligible signal singles. They had five girls and five guys and they had someone bail last minute. So I was like, fine, sure, I'll do it. That sounds fun. I show up and this was like one week after my egg freezing procedure and I was still like bloated, like my pants were just not fitting properly but my friend presented me and it was a lot of fun she really gassed me up I don't know that there was a ton of information in there that was very like specific to what it would be like to date me it was kind of like oh she's hot and smart and like can cook and smokes a lot of weed like woohoo um which you know was great but I was like oh I also like to plan activities and I'm really outgoing and like to have a good debate or whatever you know like some random things that set you apart um but anyway I got a lead from that event um so I went on a blind date with this guy go to bar p of course and that date goes fine. Um, actually go to our mutual friend's party after that. And he comes along. And then on the Monday following the date, I texted my friend who used to work with him and was just like, what's the tea on this dude? Because we were planning a second date. She goes, oh, do I have the tea? And it turns out that she had um, slept with him a couple years ago while he was still with his ex. And that after the hookup, he asked her not to tell anyone because it had happened before. So he was like a repeat cheater. And all of a sudden, I was like the only person who knew he was with his girlfriend for two more years after the cheating, like two full years. She never found out. And they were broken up when we went on the date. But like, she never knew. So I sent him a text that was like, I just wanted to be as upfront as possible. Like, hey, I'm going to have to cancel on our date on Sunday because I found out you were like a repeat cheater and like dishonesty just isn't it for me. Like if it was one time, okay, like let's talk about it. But it was multiple times and like he never came clean about it even after breaking up, which was just kind of a weird red flag for me. And I was like, there's no scenario where I show up for the second date and he comes up with some explanation that like makes me excited about him again. So I tell him that and he's like, okay, I understand. You can, (laughs) he's kind of freaking out. Um, And then of course, like he's trying to do damage control. So he tells the friend that set us up and she tells the ex who that's the reason they're friends in the first place. The ex texts my friend being like, I know what happened. And then this guy responds to my friend being like, yeah, the girlfriend found out, the ex found out. Like, no, you were the one that told her, like, told the girl who told her. And he was totally trying to make it sound like I was the one who kind of spread the gossip and all this stuff. And I was like, I was just really straightforward. I wasn't going to tell anyone else. And you just went and, like, dug your own grave, bro. And frankly, maybe deserved it. <laughs> the fact, the fact that he, like, One was like, okay, yeah, so he knew he was in the wrong. And then, like, went ahead and told other people. I'm like, and the fact that he never told his ex? Like, a thought experiment for me, too. Like, he went and told the ex's best friend. What do you do in that scenario as the best friend? Like, do you tell the ex? Because I don't know if I had been in, like, a four-year relationship and found out that for half that time the guy was cheating on me. Like, I don't know if I'd want to know if we were broken up because I would just have really bad trust issues moving forward, you know, like. Wait, so the ex's best friend 
was the one who took you to this event and gassed you up? Kind of, yeah. Her roommate. Her roommate. Okay, okay, wait. Because I, like, need a diagram now. Let me understand this. So your friend took you to this event. So it's you and your friend. Yeah. That friend's roommate. Who was the host of the event. Okay, who's the host of the event, which is why you ended up at the event and he ended up at the the event. Exactly. Okay, so your friend's roommate is the one who's hosting this event. Both of you are at this event. That makes sense. But your friend's roommate also knows this guy's ex, Mm -hmm. obviously, because probably your friend's roommate is friends with this guy. Yeah, so the only reason my friend's roommate is friends with the guy is through the ex. Okay, so the ex and him ended on good terms then? Like enough, I guess. The the ex like moved away. Um, it sounded like they didn't have an awesome relationship the whole time. Like there was some fighting and stuff like that. But they weren't on the understanding that one of them cheated on the other. <laughs> right. And so when you asked for the tea on him... Did you ask the person whose event it was? Is that the person you went to? So this other girl that I asked was just like totally removed from this group of people. Like she also went to Barnard, but I had gotten dinner before the date with with her previous roommate and had shown her his Instagram. And she goes, hmm, like this guy looks familiar. I'm not going to say more. But like she had known what went down and like just didn't want to tell me in advance and like you know I was gonna go on the date either way so it would have just kind of spoiled the vibes but afterwards I kind of knew that I needed to follow up with the roommate and see what the deal was so that's how I ended up talking to her and finding out about it all so you asked you just happened to be having dinner with this girl's roommate the one who was the person he was cheating with exactly and the roommate this other roommate knew yeah just by happenstance and then you were happening to go on this date with this guy so when you did you ask the roommate that you were having dinner with or did you ask her friend I asked her friend because we were also friends it was just like we haven't been talking as much it was just and, and then I was like also imagine like being this guy and being like I went to this event where it was like the blindest date, you know, these random chicks are getting presented on PowerPoint. And I was like, sure, why not? And then this girl happens to know the girl you cheated on your ex with, like, oof. Like happens to go to the one person that he probably never wanted you to talk to. Yeah. Never wants any of his like future, like love interests to talk to is this one girl, unless he was cheating with other girls. So I found out that the repeat time that he cheated, like the reason he said that it had happened before when he had hooked up with my friend was just like a kiss. It was a drunk kiss. So that's definitely different than like a sleepover. But, you know, it is there's someone out there that knows that he was in a relationship and kissed someone else. Um, So one kind of. That is okay. If there is any anything to take away from this is that New York City is fucking tiny. 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 And it doesn't matter how safe you think you are. You're never safe. <laughs> Don't cheat. <laughs> Don't cheat. No, I was just talking to my friend about this. And she so she's been like hitting the apps hard. She's like, I'm ready to date again. And she comes across this guy. They're talking. He asks her out on a date. And he happens to be from this small state um that this guy I'm seeing also happens to be from 
and the state's like really tiny so they kind of all like around the same age would probably know each other Mm -hmm. and so she was like ariana like just ask like if he knows this guy and i was like yeah sure whatever so i like send the screenshot to him he's like no i like don't recognize him but and then like five minutes later he comes back to me with a screenshot of like this guy's instagram and it is the most cringy instagram i have ever seen in my life (laughs) it's like sketch comedy but like not funny at all no. And it's, like, not even, like, TikToks. It's, like, movies that he definitely, like, edited on iMovie. And it was, like, like bad, bad humor and bad delivery. And, like, like kind of just, like, like prepubescent boy humor. Like, like about, like, small dicks and, like, things like that. I don't know. It was, like, really, really cringy. And I, like, he was, <laughs> he sent me his, like, Instagram and was, like, I can't like even make it through this like person's Instagram. I immediately send it to my friend and she's like, that's it. Like that is, that's done. We're not going on a date. Like zilch, that's nothing. And then she was like seeing this other guy and like um, they had a mutual friend and she like talked to her mutual friend about him after they had gone on like a date or two. And her friend was like, like, yeah, he's like super weird or something like that. I don't know. Like, and my and he ended up being weird <laughs> and my friend was just like i am not dating anymore unless i have like two factor authentication yeah got to have a referral in there and like it can work really well like i had gone on a hinge date with this guy who i was like pretty into and i was like let me just do some background check here, some quick Googling. And I find out that like he's connected on LinkedIn with a close friend of mine because of course we look at boys LinkedIn. That's what we do. And so I text my friend and she's like, yeah, we went to college together. He actually was seeing a really close friend of mine during that time. They ended on really good terms. He thinks of like they both think of each other really positively still. Um, He's just super sweet, like would definitely love to see this happen. And that just made me feel so much better about moving yeah. forward with it. Like it, it didn't work out, but it was like great to have that just like stamp of approval. Like, you know, people are scary. P- meeting strangers on the internet is scary and you never know what people's rep was like in college. And it's kind of nice that you don't know, but if you can have someone just to be like, not a weirdo, not a rapist, like some some good things to check off before you move forward. Yeah, I mean- I, this is this is slightly darker, but like about like one of the first parties I walked into in 2020, once things were kind of like opening up a little bit in the summer, um, like it was like the first party I went to after like being in lockdown forever. And I like am not expecting to know anyone. It's like a party run by like all these kids who went to Ivy League schools. Like, fine. Like, you know, I have a lot of friends who did that, but like, you know. Carnegie Mellon isn't not a good school. It's just like a different circle. Mm -hmm. And I like, I walk in and the first person I see is this guy who like, I was like friendly with in college. And then like, he got totally title nine, like multiple cases, like kicked out of school, like right before his graduation date, like he was like a vile, vile person. Oh, and I hadn't seen he was a year above me and I hadn't seen him since he got kicked out of school. But I walk into this party 
And he's, like, the first person I see, like, playing beer pong with a girl and, like, flirting with all of these girls. And I was, like, this, like, one, why is this person here? Two, like, this shouldn't be allowed. Like, I was so angry. I have no idea. Like, I wasn't close with the people throwing the party. So I, like, have no idea who actually invited him. But I took, like, every instance, like, every conversation I had in that party. I was, like, oh, by the way, that kid, he's a rapist. Like... (laughs) I was like, I don't know what he's doing here, but like, (laughs) yeah, like there are, and there are so many people like that. It's ridiculous how many people there are like that. And you want to believe that these people, like they change and you want to give them a second chance. But at the same time, it's like, these are my friends and I need to protect them. And I don't want to be at a party with you. Like, please just go find another group of people to like be your new self with. Um, Don't be a bad person anymore. I never want to see you again. Bye. Yeah, and I mean, this sounds like I was being kind of harsh, but to be honest, like, it doesn't seem like he changed or had any remorse in any situation. Like, it it ran so deep, and so I was just like, this is really fucked up. Like, this person should not be in this space. But, like, people don't know, you know? If you meet somebody outside of a context, you'll never have any idea if they're not as connected in other ways to you. Like, yeah. so (laughs) always get that two-factor authentication if you can get it. New York is so, so small that if you're, like, dating within like a certain age range and a certain I feel like education level you will like more than likely know somebody that knows somebody but that's a crazy story because I was gonna I wanted to follow up with you on that but I was like I'll wait until we talk about on the podcast because I was at that party you brought him to and you're like yeah I don't really know if I'm feeling him he's Christian (laughs) Uh, he was just like the guy that like I had looked up on LinkedIn and I was pretty into like my friends had described him as vanilla and this guy was just like next level vanilla and you know I identify as a white person like I'm a Jewish white person but there's something that's culturally different between like me and like a Catholic you know this guy like he went to Georgetown like I toured Georgetown and I was like I can't do it here like I get that it's not religious all the time but like every other mom on this tour is asking like what the Jesuit crap is like here and I got like overwhelmed being told to write essays about Jesus in college so like you know someone should have assigned me to read the Bible much earlier in life I still haven't read the whole thing you know I'm very Old Testament but like I'm not even that religious it's just a cultural thing yeah which I think is interesting because like I mean I see it with my Jewish friends. I also see it with, like, my Christian friends. Like, mm-hmm. I like especially girls who are just, like, I eventually, like, want to date slash marry a, a guy who is also Jewish or also Christian. Like, I definitely find that interesting because as somebody who's, like, Indian, I'm not religious. So, mm-hmm. like, religion's not really, like, a factor for me. But do you see yourself ending up with someone who's Indian? So I think that's the interesting question because that's a cultural play, right? You know, I it's Passover right now. I'm out here eating a whole bag of goldfish today, not really practicing exactly. there, but I totally identify with the cultural aspects of it and the values and really have just appreciated the community. And especially like when I was living in Asia, like that was the most Jewish I've ever been because we had such a strong community of just like other Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what I was getting at as well as like, with Judaism and with Indian culture, it's like very much more about the cultural aspect of it all. But I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like, I love being Indian. I love my culture. I love sharing it with other people when I get the chance to. But 
I just like in my mind cannot see myself like with somebody Indian. Like interesting. It just feels like too close to home. Okay. Like it feels too similar to me. And I'm like, I find interest in other people where I get to share my culture and they get to share their culture. And we get to like learn from each other and experience different things together. Like all of my, all of the people I've like seriously dated are Jewish. Like maybe that has some it's a thing. Like there's a whole article about how Indians and Jews just like end up together all the time. Indian and Jews are like the same people. We're like literally the same people. Like I went Indians to have better weddings though. I like went to a comedy show that was like all Indian and Jewish comedians. And it was like, it was called like Twindian or like something like that. But I was like, but everybody was like howling, laughing because there's so many cultural similarities between like Indian culture and Jewish culture. Um, And I I also like, I mean, I grew up on the Upper West Side, like most of my like best friends are Jewish. Like I feel way more comfortable around Judaism than I do around Christianity. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until college that like, a lot of my friends were Christian and would go to church every Sunday. Interesting. And like, I didn't like realize that was actually a thing people our age did. <laughs> I was much more like comfortable with my friends who like went to Hebrew school, got bar and bat mitzvahed. And then like, that was pretty much the extent of it. And like, wow. I've been to like Passover Seder- Seders before. Like I've been to temple before. Like, yeah, I feel comfortable like in those spaces. But when I'm in a church, I'm like, that. Ah. <laughs> That's so opposite of Seattle. Like no one, you know, there were there were like some Jews in my high school, but like there was just not a big community of it. And coming here, it was like all of a sudden a third of Barnard's population is Jewish. And like, it's a very New York brand of Jew that I was just like, wait, this isn't my culture. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Um, so even like on different coasts of the country, the like the West Coast in me, I guess, is more impactful than than the Jew sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I just like personally, I understand the cultural connection because my brother is like marrying somebody who is also Indian and she's great. And I totally yeah. understand like why somebody it's so much easier to be with somebody who like understands your culture and your experience. But personally, for me, I'm very much like I love learning about other people's cultures and experiences and that's what I like really value in a relationship yeah. like I'll go to Seder and celebrate Passover if you come celebrate the volley with me you know yeah. like I think that's like a lot of fun yeah and if it, if it's a mutual thing like great you know I've always wanted to have like a Christmas tree like they're they smell so good and they're pretty and I just don't want to be with someone who would be like I don't know against my kids going through bar bat mitzvah or like Mm. participating in Jewish culture in that way but if it's a mutual kind of like I'm very open you're very open let's combine lifestyles instead of choosing one or the other then like that's totally cool I just like sitting down with this dude on a blind date who was like I'm Catholic (laughs) I was like Catholic is just like to me, it's a next level of Christianity. Like, yeah. it, to me, when you say you're Catholic as opposed to saying you're Christian, you're saying something about how religious you are. Interesting. I wonder how, like, I wonder how religious he actually was, but I guess we'll never know. <laughs> we, we talked about it. He wasn't that religious. I just think that that was how I was choosing to summarize his vanilla-ness. Right, right. I mean, it was it was not meant to work out anyway. Clearly. Have you ever been in a serious relationship? No. I had like a fake relationship in high school where we were very much just together to kind of have a high school boy and girlfriend and like 
to kiss and shit like that. Um, but you know, women's college, I was very focused on school and stuff. I wasn't even like out there exploring my sexuality with all the hot girls around. This is like TMI probably, but like it took me until senior year to like lose my virginity. I had to like track down a boy that I was like, uh, okay, he kind of likes me. Um, I'm going to use this boy to uh, lose the V card because I do not want to graduate with it. Uh, like it, it just felt like a checkbox for me that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so it happened. It was fine. Our mutual friend also talked about that same boy on your podcast a long, long time ago. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, it was very funny. But, you know, I checked that off the list and then I kind of went from there because I think that was like just a huge blocker for me was I was really scared to go on dates because I was like, what if they want to sleep with me in the first date and I'm like not experienced enough or whatever? Like it was never a prudishness thing. It was like a probably like laziness, you know, like Mm. I just was kind of at home doing my work and like I would go to parties, be a little shy. Um And so it it was never like a, I'm not down type of thing. But then over time, I was like, oh my God, everybody else my age has had so much more experience than me. And it Mm. became like, okay, how can I just kind of build this up? Um, So that's why I've been also approaching a lot of like my dating life from there outwards, right? Like it's not necessarily about like long-term relationships. It can be if it works out, fantastic. But in the meantime, like, I'm just learning. Like I'm having my experiences. I'm living my life. I'm trying new things. And that is what I needed to do to like kind of come into myself and gain confidence in who I was because that was totally holding me back from just being my true self on dates. Like I was overthinking it Mm. so, so much. Yeah. I, I think this is so important for people to hear because there's so many people like who come to me and they're like, you know, we're out of college and I've never been in a relationship. Yeah. And I'm like, that is so much more normal than you would have, like, you would know. Like, it really, really is normal at this point in our life. And I think what's also, also people aren't always as open about maybe not having a sexual experience until later in their life. Yeah. And for you, it sounds like it wasn't like, it wasn't a religious thing. It wasn't like a boundary thing. It was just sort of like, you know, you had other priorities. Yep. Yeah. I I don't know. It just like didn't happen. And I was kind of like fine with it until I wasn't. And then I figured it out, checked it off. And like, it's it's really funny to see how guys react to it. Because I'm always just like super upfront because it's like, okay, if I'm bad at something, like, I just want them to know there's a reason I'm bad at it. And like, <laughs> I'm open to feedback. And like, let's talk about it. Um, But like, you know, I was hooking up with a guy and I was like, okay, like, just so you know, like, this is the first blowjob I've ever given. And he he was like, he get, he had kind of a weird look. He was like totally respectful about it. Um, and he was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, don't worry about it. But like, just curious, like why? And I was like, it's not a religious thing. Like it's, it, I basically just gave you the whole explanation. And he was kind of like, okay, sure. And just like moved on and it was totally fine. And that made, I think both of us feel a lot better. And afterwards he gassed me up about it a ton. So either he was a really nice person and liar, um, or I'm just a beginner's luck type of person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like, even I feel like at any point in your life, like at some point you feel that pressure where it's like everyone else around me is like doing this and I'm not doing this. At least that's how I felt too. I have friends who are like, you know, maybe not as pressed about it. Yeah. But like 
I felt that way in high school and I was like, oh my God, like all of my friends like are doing these things and like I haven't like done these things yet. And like, how do I do these things? <laughs> and nobody talks about it enough. It's like, let's just let's just talk about sex more. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you felt comfortable to tell this guy, like, <laughs> it, I don't know if this is TMI, you can tell me, but like, did you give your first, did you have oral sex for the first time after losing your penetrative virginity? Uh, giving or receiving. Giving, because. Then after. After. Yeah. Interesting. So like that wasn't that wasn't like on your docket as something to like there wasn't you weren't trying to hit the bases chronologically. You know, like I had that in my head. It was kind of like, okay, first I'm nervous about this, but then it was like I guess I can just like skip to the punchline here and hopefully that will like help me feel more confident in general because realistically like penetrative is just like it can be very passive on the woman's part. Um, and so it's not as much of a performance and you can just kind of be like, this is happening. I'm having an experience. Uh, let me see like if I can figure out what feels good or like, yeah. but like with giving oral sex, like it, you kind of feel under pressure. Like you feel like you're performing something and if you're bad at it, like that's on you. And it's hard to know if you're good or bad at it. So I think there was that level of like extra pressure for that specific uh, task that (laughs) prolonged. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like a really good point. I've never thought about it like that. I'm sure people feel pressure all the time. Like (laughs) sex can be like penetrative sex can be really passive on the women's part. And like, I'm thinking about, you know, the time I lost my virginity and I'm like, (laughs) I like nobody knows what they're doing. They're just kind of like lying there. Like, I don't know. Like, Does this go here? Is that like what's what in what order do you take your clothes off? Like, you know, like there are random things that you're kind of like in the moment, like all of a sudden it feels either like a big deal or just like super, super natural. And that's kind of how you know whether it's a good fit or not. But yeah. And it's also like, I feel like your first time, I at least for me, I don't know, it wasn't like about it's never really about like pleasure because you don't really know what is pleasurable like to you. Girls got to masturbate. Yeah, girl. I mean, I'm wondering for you now, like that it's been a few years, but also I guess like COVID threw a wrench into like, yeah, you know, be- being able to kind of like make waves and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Do you feel like you have a handle on like what, gives you pleasure or like what you want what you like or do you feel like like just a basic understanding or do you feel like you're still exploring I definitely feel like I'm still exploring Mm -hmm. like especially like I just I feel like there's so much that I haven't tried and like I'm so open to trying anything as long as there's like communication that's the kind of thing where I just the guys that I've been seeing from like hinge and stuff none of them have progressed to a point beyond just like you know, one or two hookups. So it hasn't gone to a point where it's like, hey, want to try something new together? So yeah, a lot of exploring left to be done. Do you feel like more casual about sex now? Or do you put any sort like, do you put weight on it on the sense that like, you wouldn't really want to have like a one night stand? Do you feel like you care more about it? Do you feel like you care less about it? Like now that it's happened? I was never the kind of person that was like, I have to be in love with someone to sleep with them. But I think 
after I lost my virginity, it just became less of a big deal um, mm-hmm. in terms of something to get like worked up about or nervous about. So it was less of like, this is a really important thing and more of like, I'm scared of it. And now that I'm like less scared of it, I am way more casual with it. You know, I'm not like, I don't tend to have one night stands because like I haven't tended to like have those kinds of going out, I guess. I I could see myself having a one night stand from one of your parties. I would do that. Um, But most of the time I go out, it's with my like main kind of group of girlfriends and we're all like, they are all in relationships. They're all cuffed Mm. and they're serious and they're like, oh man, it's midnight. Like it is time to go home. And I'm like, I had two drinks. I'm nowhere near having like the looseness that I would need to have a one night stand. I mean, next party's on Friday. (laughs) Hey, wing woman me. I got you. I got you. I like, (laughs) I was telling some of my other girlfriends because they're always like, I have so much fun at your parties. But like my close girlfriends, I feel like don't meet anyone because they're just like with my friends. And so I feel like the same thing goes for you. You're just like hanging out with like your friends who are there. Mm -hmm. Whereas because like what I have a table and we're all drinking at my table and whatever. But like everybody else around us is like feral and hooking up and like. (laughs) You post all the pictures afterwards, and I'm like, where were these people just, like, pressed against the wall making out? Like, I want to be (laughs) They're always around us. I think it's just you got to, like, step out of the – step out of your comfort zone and step away from your friends for a second. Maybe just grab one person and be like, let's do a round. Like, let's see who's who's out and about here. Because it's always – it's always better to approach someone – or be approached when there's less people around. Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise, everyone has to like find their own little excuse to like leave the two of you alone, and it gets so awkward. You're like, Haha, guess we're alone now. Yeah, and I'm sure when like guys are at my events and they see like I don't know a bunch of girls like at my table, they're probably not like that. That's like where I should be like inserting myself right now. You know, when you see a group of girls in like trying to approach one of them must be so intimidating and I think like that's also something that just came from like dating apps fun fact in college I wrote like my econ thesis about tinder's impact on the dating market um really fun first date topic but like a big thing behind it was like because it's so easy now to like swipe and have a guaranteed date or hookup people are way less willing to put themselves out there and like take that risk of getting rejected because it's so much easier to hide behind the screen. Absolutely. What I find really interesting about that is like, I am so much more open in person. Like I am so much more willing to be like, yeah, let's go on a date. Like you might be too short, too tall, too Christian, whatever. And I'll probably say yes. But on dating apps, like you have to have something to screen with. So I feel like I end up probably saying no to all these dudes that like might have been a great date. I just like wouldn't know because I can't say yes to everyone. Yeah. Uh, There are a few things I want to touch on before like, you know, where we're kind of approaching an hour, Okay. Um, which is one, you were like, I've never experimented with my sexuality, even though I went to all girls school. Is that something that you want to do? Is it something that you have interest in or do you feel pretty comfortable like in your sexuality? Yeah, it's something that I've kind of felt like if it happens, it happens. Like, Mm -hmm. if there's some sort of chemistry I feel, like, I'll pursue it and go after it. But, like, I haven't changed the toggle on, like, dating apps, for example, because I feel like that can be very 
it can feel manipulative to people who like really yeah. know their sexuality and then they show up on a date with someone and they're like, haha, I'm just here to experiment. Like, I don't yeah. want to be that chick. But like, at the end of the day, like, I don't feel I don't really feel comfortable like declaring what it is because I kind of feel like it could change at any moment. Yeah. And right now, I feel like in general, more attractive to do more attracted to dudes. But like, you just never know. Yeah, I agree. Like, and especially when you're somebody who's like, I guess, like, quote, unquote, a late bloomer, like, I don't know how, like, there's so many things that I think I could have been doing and trying in college, especially like, given that I was just meeting a lot more girls than guys um, that I didn't do. And I think I'm a little bit regretful of that now. So it's like, okay, what do I do now? Um, Now that I'm kind of like doing more dating, dating, whereas college was more just hookups, because it just feels so much more like serious and pressureful I don't know go kiss someone cute at your next time you're out like yeah I have kissed a lot of girls in my life but that is mainly due to like one evening drunk in Thailand so you know (laughs) 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 yay being 16 and drunk (laughs) (laughs) well the other thing that I want to touch on is you said you went on this like live blind date experience and you were feeling bloated because you had just (laughs) frozen your eggs yeah Um, and I think that is an incredibly fascinating topic that I'm very very I like was meaning to text you about it but again I was like we'll just talk about it on the podcast because I'm sure other people are interested in hearing about it but like the seed was planted in my head Mm -hmm. by my own mother like over a year ago and she was like she was like have you considered freezing your eggs and I was like what (laughs) It really had never, ever crossed my mind. And she was like, you know, yeah, like, think about it, like, look into it. I would support that decision, like, financially and emotionally, if that's, like, something you want to do. And Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, like, that is really something that has not been on my radar. Yeah. And then you're the only person I think I know who's our age who's, like, gone through it and I know you have your reasons for doing it and yeah I would love to hear what those reasons are and what the process was like for you and what kind of like just everything about it yeah um so I found out on like my first week of work that my company covered um, most of the expenses of egg freezing that kind of planted the seed where I started thinking about it and knowing that if I wanted to pursue it it was free but I was really scared because like first of all like I don't know if I want kids or not. Everyone who listens to this podcast is going to be like, she doesn't know if she likes girls or boys. She doesn't know like what she wants to do with her life. I don't know if I want to have kids. And for me, I really want to keep the option open. Like I don't want to be 40 and like in an IVF clinic just being sad all the time. I want to be able to like make that decision when the time comes and just not feel the pressure that I feel right now where it's like, oh God, I probably need to be settling down by the time I'm 30 if I want to have kids. And mm-hmm. like, then I guess I have to take any risks I ever want to take in my life between now and then. And I only have five years to do anything interesting. And that is like terrifying and just not how I want to live my life. And I was also really scared because I had been on the same birth control since I was 16. And I know I knew that I would have to go off of that. And there's also like hormonal stimulant injections that you have to give yourself. So like you're fully giving yourself shots. Um, So it's one thing to be giving yourself shots. It's also one thing to like go off of birth control, which fucks with you hormonally, and then 
adjust to being off birth control and then adjust to being on these stimulants and then adjust to being off of those and then adjusting to being back on birth control. So I was just really scared of this like hormonal trip that I was thinking that I would be on. And luckily I had a family friend who is also a reproductive doctor. And so I just kind of grilled him at dinner one night. I was like, listen, I've got all these medical questions for you. And he basically said like, if you didn't have a bad period before your birth control, like that's the level of symptom that you should expect from this. Like if you were someone who had like really painful cramping periods, like, yeah, you might have some of those symptoms again and that'll Mm -hmm. suck. But I had fairly mild ones, thankfully. So I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. And I went and I got my consultation and the doctor just kind of mitigated all the fears I had. And it just, it wasn't as big of a deal as it felt like, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was really two weeks of my life and just the mornings of those weeks. So basically on the first day of your period, you call them, you're like, my period started. And then you go in the next day and they do a blood test and an ultrasound and kind of check where you're at. Then they prescribe you with um, the hormonal stimulants that you have to take. And you take those and you go in every like two or three days in the first week and then pretty much every day or every other day in the second week. And they're just like giving you an ultrasound and blood test every time you go in and uh, monitoring your progress. So they were like, your follicles are growing to X millimeters. And it was really fascinating to see that on screen. And then at one point, they get to like 18 millimeters or something like that. And they're like, okay, then you're going to take a trigger shot. And 36 hours after the trigger shot, you go in for the surgery. And like, thankfully, women have a hole there already. So no holes are made um, on the outside of your body, at least. And they just put you fully under um, and they use like a little needle to suck each egg out. So I went in there. I have a memory of just like the doctor, like holding my hand, which I thought was a little weird and being like, you know, this is going to be great or whatever. And then I woke up with like a glass of water and some graham crackers being handed to me in the recovery room, like zero pain that day. I was totally fine. The week following was a little bit rough. Like the week following the procedure was the roughest of it all for me um, because I got super, super bloated. Like I am never someone who has had a firm tummy. Like I'm thin, but I've never had abs in my life. And all of a sudden my, I I looked pregnant, frankly, like it, and like my tummy was firm, firm. Like there was a balloon inside of it and it was just like, totally inflated. So that was interesting. And it definitely made me really tired. Like I slept for like 48 hours straight. Um, So if you do it at a young age, because that's why I reacted that way, um, I would definitely recommend taking a little bit of time off work following the procedure. But I didn't. Thankfully, my procedure was on a Saturday. So I had Sunday and then work on Monday was like fine. I was just kind of out of it. But basically, because at 25, like I had so many healthy eggs they were able to they got 43 eggs which is like a ridiculous number um and 33 of them were mature but that meant that they like poked 43 holes in my ovaries so like the more eggs they retrieve the harder the recovery is Mm. um so that's why i was so bloated because like it was just my body trying to recover but yeah, I felt like Regina George on Calteen bars. I was like, the only thing that fits me is my sweatpants. <laughs> and do you feel like back to normal now? Like how long did it take for you to feel like normal again? Yeah, it was pretty much one week to return back to normal. Um, what they said was like, 
as soon as your next period hits, that's when you kind of know that the cycle is getting back to where it should be. But yeah, it took about a week. And yeah, there are some like, you know, fun and gross side effects like constipation and stuff. So you do what you can to mitigate those. And like, once those symptoms are relieved, then the rest kind of is much easier to deal with. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, I drank a ton of coffee. And then I took a poop. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt better. So are you like back on the pill now? Yeah. And actually a fun fact I learned is like if you're on an IUD like the marina, you can do it with that in the whole time. You don't have to go off of it. That was going to be my next question. Like if you had any idea about like somebody who has an IUD, because most of my friends have an IUD. I have an IUD. So I was like, do I have to get it removed? No. Wow. Okay. I think if you have like the copper one or like, you know, something that's really intense, you might have to. But the doctor was telling me like, yeah, you don't really have to do that. That's so interesting because you were like, when you first get your period, that's like when you go in. Yeah, and most people on it don't get it. Don't so get their period. Yeah. So like, when would you know to go in to get, I don't know. I mean, they have a different schedule. They gave me a piece of paper that were like, here's your instructions day by day. Um, yeah. so I'm sure that list of instructions is just a little bit different when you have an IUD because the hormonal like cycle is going to be different. So those injections that you were, the hormonal injections that you were doing for like Mm -hmm. two weeks, Yeah. did you, you did them at home or you did them at the doctor? Oh, so it was like one in the morning, two at night. Okay. And how often did you go into the doctor like in those two weeks? Yeah. In the first week, it was like every two or three days. So there were a couple of days in between. And it was like, they just have these monitoring hours in the morning. Mm -hmm. So you go in between like seven and 10 sit and you can just kind of roll up whenever and so I would just go before work it was walking distance from my apartment and then on the week immediately preceding the procedure I went in like almost every day because they were like really monitoring closely for Mm. the growth um because I was progressing quickly yeah and now you have like 43 eggs do you have matured so 33 of them are frozen they sent me a little picture of all of them which I think is hilarious I was like what do I do with that picture like do I draw smiley faces on each of them do I name them like that feels too deep but you know I showed my grandma and she was like good to know there are grandchildren like there are great grandchildren for me somewhere but yeah thing to know is you you do have to pay for the storage okay that was my next question yeah and I think it varies from like location to location I know for me like my benefit covers it for four years which is great But after that, like, the facility that they're frozen in is on, like, Madison and Fifth. Like, it is prime real estate. Um, Like, why are they doing that? I don't know. But it costs, like, $1,200 a year. So $600 twice a year. So, yeah. It's not, like, a tiny amount, but it's also not unreasonable. And I feel like after the four years, like, once I'm 29, I'll have at least something of a better idea of, like, if I want to keep them or not. Yeah, totally. There's so much good stuff to think about here. And it's like making me think a lot too, because this is, it's been like planted in my mind yeah. um, as something that like maybe potentially should be done. And I, I would, in my mind, I was like, oh, I have to take my IUD out. So maybe I'll do it like when my IUD is up, mm-hmm. but that sounds like that's not the case. So the whole process from A to Z, like how long did it take you? Like three weeks. Wow. 
Yeah. I mean, if you count the initial consultation, then like a month and a half. Um, but that was really because they wanted me to be a month off my birth control before starting. Yeah, that's whoa. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like my mind's blown and I feel like we really, really, really like don't talk about the these things at all. Yeah. And especially as like young women yeah and what a lot of people have asked me too is like well why don't you just like wait until you're 30 like especially if you have to you know pay for every year of storage and that's a solid point but I was also like I don't know if I'm going to be in a good mental health physical health like I don't know if I'm going to be at my same job that's going to pay for it I don't know if you know some random shit is going to happen that's going to prevent me from doing this but also like when you're 25, so many of your eggs are like, quote unquote, viable. Mm-hmm. And that number just like drops precipitously as you become, you know, older. So a lot of people who are 30, like, they'll get maybe like five to 10 eggs from that whole cycle. And 25, I got 33. Like, that's ridiculous. I'm never gonna have to like worry about that again. Yeah, I was talking, I was actually talking to this uh, with my coworkers. And two of my coworkers who I'm, like, very close with, my, my, like, boss and this woman who I work, like, with very closely, she is basically, like, 40, and she just had her first kid, mm-hmm. and my boss is, like, 35 and doesn't have kids yet, just got married, and they're both, like, career women, super yeah. smart, really fun, like, great, like, definitely look up to them, and I just kind of, like, brought it up, and they were, like you 100% should do it because we are seeing our friends right now like struggling going to IVF trying to have kids when like like even if you're thinking about the cost now as somebody like whose company maybe doesn't cover it and I I don't know if you have any idea what the cost is like it it runs up to like 15 yeah that's what I thought it was around like 10 15k like you're spending more money than that and just more sadness and pain, like when you're older trying to have a kid, like doing yeah. IVF treatments and going to like fertility clinics. And like this process, like it doesn't preclude you from having a natural pregnancy. Like it doesn't impact that whatsoever because it's just like one monthly cycle that they're taking your eggs from. So it's just kind of like an insurance policy. And that's what I'm treating it as. Which is amazing. I mean, yeah, like you're not even somebody who knows if they want to have kids. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain. Like I'm, I'm like 99% sure I want to have kids. So yeah. it is really something that like I'm gonna think more about. And I hope that like this was super valuable to my listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah, if any listeners need information, feel free to give them my number. Happy to talk more. <laughs> yeah, and like even for men who might be listening to this, like I hope this isn't boring because this is really the reality of the situation for, you know, women you might even be with in the future. Or if you, as like, as a man aren't looking to settle down with a woman, you see that like, if there's a biological clock for us ticking, if we want to have kids. And so that's why they're like, there's a rush for us. I think at a certain age, I see people who are, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties, who are like, I really need to settle down if I want this to happen in my life. And you just kind of, you alleviated that. And so I, I applaud you. I think that's really amazing. And like to take three to six weeks out of your life when you're 25 to do something that would be really like impactful for you in the future is. It's like, nothing. 
Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, and it, it is a cost. Like, we're not going to pretend like it isn't yeah. a cost. Like, I still dropped a solid amount of money on it because I still had to do, like, my insurance deductible. But at the end of the day, it was, like, $2,000 instead of 1500 or yeah. 15000 Yeah, and it's like, you want that new, like, MacBook Air or do you want kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, that's just what it is. <laughs> I'm like, thank you so much for, like, being so open and honest about, like, this and everything. Yeah, and like before we wrap up, um, I just want to pivot back to like, what are you kind of looking for, hoping to get out of this, like coming on the podcast? Like, do you have an idea of what kind of person you like to be with? If somebody like, you know, has interest in you, yeah, like what would kind of interest you about them? You know, someone who is, I think, first of all, like likes to do things. I I don't know another way to say that, but I feel like a lot of people that I've met recently and a lot of my friends are just kind of, I don't want to be like insulting, but like domestic, right? Like because of COVID, it's so easy to like fall into that. And I just really miss like going on hikes and going skiing, going to the beach and going to random parties or you know, plays, things like that. Like I'm always wanting to do something. So people who like to do that, definitely are interesting to me. People who like to have a good debate, um, you know, are not afraid of like strong opinions. I think I accidentally offend people a lot by just kind of stating my opinions as facts. And it's something I know that I do. But like, I love to learn more about other people's perspectives. And people who aren't afraid of that feeling like a fight are great because a lot of people get really defensive as soon as you're kind of like, oh, why do you feel that way? But yeah, other than that, someone who's open, ideally like ambitious, doesn't mean that they have to have like a super high paying job or anything right now. It just means like you're driven and you're motivated Mm -hmm. and you're high energy. Love that. Well, we're past time. So (laughs) we, we finish every single episode with this or that questions that I call shots. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Work hard or play hard? Play hard. Dine out or delivery? Dine out. Laundry or dishes? Dishes. TikTok or Instagram? Instagram, unfortunately. Money or fame? Money. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Spicy or mild? Spicy. Coffee date or drinks date? Drinks. What's your favorite season? Summer. What song are you loving right now? Ooh, I just saw Lord last night and summer is my favorite season. So solar power is is a vibe for sure. But also a lot of Rina Sawayama. Love her. Ooh, she's, she's coming to the city. I soon. know. I'm going to be in Amsterdam during the time. It's going to oh. be your party and her concert and I'm going to miss it all. <laughs> what would you rate yourself out of 10? rate myself out of 10 Ooh, I'm confident I don't know like an eight what is your drink of choice Manhattan and if you had a boat what would you name it Ooh, probably like sunshine I just love the sun (laughs) catamaran nice (laughs) my mom gets so so seasick but catamarans weirdly are the only boat she can be on Good for her. They're great. They're great boats. I'm trying to take sailing lessons soon. Oh, you know? that's so fun. That's right? so fun. All right. Well, thank you so, so much for being on for your honesty and your gander. And I, I really appreciate it. I'm like 
really excited for this to be my last episode of season three. So I hope my listeners really enjoyed this season. I think we explored a lot of different topics and a lot of different perspectives. If you like that, please send me feedback. Rate the podcast on Spotify, on Apple, leave a review, send me a DM. Um, I'm going to be taking a break for an undisclosed amount of time, a few weeks, a few months. I don't know. You'll figure it out. Um, so follow me on Instagram uh, at ariana.nathani and at drinks.first to kind of follow along with the rest of the journey. I'll be continuing to have events and hopefully we'll return with the podcast soon enough. And if you're interested in matching with our guest, the link is in the bio of the podcast and it's in the link in the bio of our Instagram. Go there, see, check out. If you just want to learn more about egg freezing, you know, yeah, reach out. If you want to learn more about egg freezing, definitely reach out. So thank you so much again for being on. And this has been such a great season. I've really had a great time talking to all these people and I'm glad I get to end it with you. Thank you and congrats on an awesome season. Thank you so much to our guests for talking with me today. If you're interested in matching with them, visit the link in bio on Instagram at drinks.first. Or if you don't have an Instagram, email us drinksfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on all of our socials for the latest updates, guest information, events, and other fun content. If you like this episode, please remember to rate, share, review on your podcast app. That helps us grow the most. I'm your host, Ariana Nathani. You can find me on Instagram at ariana.nathani and on TikTok at ariana.nathani. Be sure to check back next Tuesday for a new episode. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.